0: Hi there and welcome to the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. In episode 35, Christopher Mitchell interviews Jody Wigington, CEO and General Manager of the Morristown Utility System in Morristown, Tennessee. MUS Fiber is one of the few networks that offer one gig service. The network began serving customers in spring of 2006. Jody and Chris talk a little about how the community was inspired to go into telecommunications. They were fed up with continual rate increases from the incumbent cable TV provider. And community leaders also recognize the economic development potential with a fiber network. Here are Jody Wigington and Christopher.
1: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Community Broadband Bits. Uh, today we're talking with Jody Wigginton, the CEO and General Manager of Morristown uh, Utility Systems. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you. So one of the things that I, I've, I was fascinated about with Morristown was that uh, you were one of the uh, f- sort of famous utilities coming out of Tennessee. There's a lot of great fiber systems in Tennessee, and um, you launched a gigabitch. Uh, you were one of the, the early ones, um, I think third or fourth in the nation. Um, but when you uh, agreed to talk with me, then I uh, started digging in a little bit more and found a lot of really interesting uh, things to learn about Morristown. So um, can you start by telling us a little bit about uh, the community?
2: Yes, Marshtown lies in the eastern part of Tennessee between the Knoxville and Tri City area. Uh, there's about 25,000 that live in, in the city, and uh, or maybe 29,000, and, and then about 63,000 in, in the full county. Uh, Marshtown is noted as a metropolitan statistical area, and in such, we provide a lot of jobs uh, for surrounding counties through our manufacturing. And yeah, for example, seventy percent of my system's electrical usage is consumed by industry and large commercial. So obviously the economy of Marstown affects uh, yeah, many people in a in a thirty mile radius.
1: And how far does your territory actually uh spread? Are you outside the town?
2: Uh my electric service area is strictly within the corporate city limits, but I am allowed to serve broadband in uh, into the county uh, you know, as needed. And most of those most of the infrastructure is still within the city right now, but uh, I can go to the county.
1: So, you, uh, it's been a number of years, you were one of the earlier ones, a pioneer of the fiber to the home system. Uh, can you tell us why uh, you decided to invest in that technology?
2: City elections back in 2004 brought in uh, mayor and some new council members with the call uh, from the public to do something different about the incumbent cable provider who had uh, consistent rate increases annually and, uh, and, and some poor customer service, and the city tried to negotiate uh, uh, with charter in this case and it, without success on holding rates down. So they asked the utility uh, a second time actually to enter the telecommunications business. And besides just cable TV rates, there was a concern around Marstown that it must improve its broadband capabilities in order to support existing businesses and be able to recruit new, new industry. So at that point, we filed a business plan with the state comptroller. We did uh, some scientific surveys of customer interest. We asked for a referendum to be sure the citizens supported uh, borrowing the money to enter that business and the results were overwhelming uh, on, on all those counts. So uh, we entered the business, and the first customer was uh, May 2006.
1: Must actually, can I just pause you there for a second? That's it's really sort of fascinating. It seems that many of the utilities that have gotten involved with this have done it first out of a, a sense of uh, the benefits to the electrical utility. Uh, the plans have often come maybe from an economic development staff or a group, but, but this seems to have come from the elected officials that were just very under – that were very excited about what uh, an investment could do for the community. Is that, am I
2: understanding that correctly? yes i mean they in the background was the economic development it didn't didn't get the forefront it was cable t v rates but but the chamber here in marstown is 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 a bastion for industrial uh industry in, in this region, and we knew that you know we needed to have an infrastructure that was better in the old days you, you know at that time charter really wasn't in internet or telephone. And you had AT&T, and they were here in the local main office. But our industrial parks are built on the periphery of the city, and, you know, they couldn't barely get T1s out there. Mm -hmm. T1s nothing compared to what broadband is today. So a lot of industry were complaining about this. So in the background, there was a need for advanced broadband in, in our industrial parks. And, you know, again, if you weren't so close to the main office where you could get AT&T serviced, then you really didn't have much of a broadband product.
1: Okay. So as I understand it, you had some opposition. Even though you had widespread public support, there was some significant opposition of uh, the existing cable companies.
2: Well, cable TV on the state level, you know, opposes all municipal entry in in Tennessee. It is legal for us to do this in, in our electric service area. But, they, uh, they're the largest annual uh, or largest lobbying groups between ATT and cable in the total state legislature. So uh, they continually submit legislation that limits the ability of cities like us uh, and communities to secure their own future, be it they strap you up financially or they try to limit your service areas and things of that nature. But um, there was opposition, but uh, our local uh, senator and state representative uh, both championed the cause at the national level, and uh, it went through with flying colors.
1: You didn't have to deal with any lawsuits then, at least. That seems to be uh, something that they've done um, to some of the others that they've opposed.
2: No. You know, we submit the plan to the comptroller. They challenged the plan at the comptroller level, but there were, no, there were no lawsuits. No.
1: And so then you you started building this network and uh, you decided to go with uh, fiber-to-the-home rather than cable. I know there was uh, there weren't a lot of fiber-to-the-home systems at that point, so
2: why was that the technology choice? Well, you know, it's a I guess it's a no-brainer today but at that time you know both technologies were still being deployed and uh, the first time we'd looked at it in the early 2000s you, you really didn't have fiber at the home and we weren't comfortable because you couldn't have the broadband without, without the fiber so when it came up the second time uh, fiber to the home basically was a way to bulletproof the investment for the future uh, it's a little more expensive, but not that much more but and that's already proven true here we are uh, you know at the six year end of the business, and we're upgrading to the gigabit capability uh you know and, and we didn't have to touch the fiber network, just change the electronics out on either end, so that that pattern could be repeated going into the future because the fiber's good, it's pretty much unlimited in what it can do. And we're a little bit less in the limelight of, of some of the other cities, but Marsh is is a gigabit city. And so when you do recruiting, it's impl- or for somebody want to run a business out of the home, gigabit is available anywhere on the system. Uh, it does, it's not a function of how far you are from the operations center. Uh, the furthest point could have a gigabit if it, you know, if you, if you need it. But, but I tell you in stark compared, uh in comparison to the incumbents, we've only had one mild rate increase in the first six years. And the incumbents, you know, they they play that game of, of rate match or some sweetheart deals for a couple of years, or or cut individual bills. And we just believe that the uniform rate structure, is similar to what electric and water is, is best. We can assure any telecom customer that they're paying the same rate for the same product as any citizen across the street or in the city. So we think that's the uh, the right way to do it.
1: So let's just let me just reiterate that for a second to make sure people get it. I mean, you've had six years. You've upgraded certainly the the topmost um, capacity to a much faster uh, potential speed. Um, I presume you've also increased the uh, speeds over the course of the years. But um, throughout all of that, you've only increased your rates one time in six years, which is um, it, it's incredible. You know, I, I I sort of every 12 months I know I'm going to get a letter from Comcast myself
2: well, if you're in you know it makes it makes you wonder if we can do this here locally and build a new network, then why was cable t v going up every year you know sometimes multiple times and you know we we we've done well today we serve you know forty four percent of the homes past and even a greater percentages of of the businesses in town and so we're cash flow net income positive ahead of business plan and but what you, we think and our board believes too that the most important thing we do is provide superior customer service uh, You know, and people love that personal effect of it so we established a local call center with technical support right on main street and uh, we versus customers talking to somebody in another state another country and we can can and we do support a you know, personal type service but with that, we react quickly. If you need to change your product or if you've got a new business, and you know we can roll out stuff in in a week or so without any long periods. So we think that the customer service was was a big thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, I'm always reminded of, you know, in the city, dealing with, uh, we only have a cable and a DSL option in, in St. Paul, which is a large city, and we regularly have to deal with, uh, as a resident, you know, many days for um, um, getting service if something goes wrong. Fortunately, in the city, businesses will get us somewhat faster. Uh, response time, but uh, I've th- certainly heard stories in some of the rural areas and in some of the smaller towns of of even businesses having to wait multiple days. And if your Internet's down, boy, you really need service fast. You, you can't wait a week for a tech to show up. So um, that local service is really important. Well,
2: we hear one business told me, I asked him, so what, what do you do when the Internet's down? He just kind of cocked his head. He said, I send everybody home. Yep. I, I, I cannot function. Everybody in my business has a computer in front of them, So speed and reliability of Internet are, are important. And like you said, on speeds, we probably started out 4 megabytes just because you had to pick a number. I think our base product is probably 12 megabytes. Now, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's there. I mean, you can go a gigabit, but you got to market a product at some rate. But uh, the big difference is our our products are not burstable. They're more of a guaranteed bandwidth, so you mm-hmm. don't have to worry about the kids coming home after school or everybody getting on it at night or something. I mean, your speed's there, you know, 24-7. That's a little bit different than a shared network that's based on copper or cable.
1: So can you tell me a little bit about how uh, the community has, uh, the industrial community has benefited or changed because of this network?
2: It's We, we are getting more people looking at us because of Broadband, you know, the past success of Morristown has obviously helped. This argument you've heard before, I'm sure that we, had, but we had a major rail system passed through town, and we also have multiple interstate systems allow us to go all directions to give, uh, you know, transportation logistics. Uh, so today, you know, we, we see fiber as that similar infrastructure that ensures that economic viability. Now, most all of our major businesses do take our fiber optic services, uh, especially for for internet. Uh, and I, But I can't say that there's been one major industry that's solely located here because of fiber. However, I know that today's RFPs is much different than 10 years ago because they request detailed information on broadband and more specifically whether it's fiber. So I think better said, the lack of broadband can quickly remove you from a prospect list and That's not a problem for us. Right. I would – you know,
1: I think a recent conversation I had with uh, with a good friend, Jeff Daly, who's down living in Lafayette now, Louisiana – you know, we we're talking about this as well and whether or not we we're seeing specific businesses that came to town only because of the network. And, and really, the better answer is, is that, you know, businesses are going to places that are well-governed. And in 2013, being well-governed means that you can deliver affordable and reliable services via a fiber network. It doesn't necessarily have to be the city doing it, but someone has to be doing it, and it has to be a high-quality product.
2: You know, and today, so many of these employees work away from home sometimes, or they're. You know, it's very important to them to get high-speed broadband to ch- check things at work and, or maybe work from home. So, uh, I think it speaks to the quality of life what fiber can do. It's not just taking it to the business, but the people who work at the business can, you know, log in remotely at, at really good speeds and work almost seamlessly.
1: So what are, the, what are some of the, the numbers? I mean I, we, people always want to hear the numbers, right? And what kind of savings are you seeing um, uh, for the people in your community?
2: Let me give you a few. First, I'd say uh, based on what we know of the rate savings alone, and again, the incumbents are all over the place with the deals. But based on their, their rate cards and our rate cards, we're leaving somewhere around $3 million per year in the local economy for people to spend however they, they want. That's just in save, rate savings on, on products. Second, in the back the way, that also doesn't include the savings that would occur when the incumbents would drop their rates or match those rates. That's just based on the number of customers we have in the rate cards. Second thing, the electric system owns the base fiber optic network. They're the custodian of the network to ensure utility benefits. Well, their ownership of the network has increased our in-lieu tax payments by 35% to the city and county, giving more money, for, you know, to help help their efforts. And third, you know, the fiber as an electric asset enabled us to receive up to four million dollars in grants from TVA for smart grid development, and we've already got three million of, of the four, uh, and that's provided a path just to, to you know to lower rates, better technology. Uh, you mentioned benefits, I guess the city we also uh, provide services to the city and county we've connected their facilities as one network and it, again it's you know it's not individual networks this is on on the passive optical network they're just they're connected like a vlan system uh and then they got one large connection to the internet it's a very very efficient way of delivering services but we have the libraries uh, several of the hospitals uh we're now developing a new traffic control system for them. It's pretty high-level uh, online control of traffic during, you know, periods of high high traffic. Connect fire, police, nine-one-one, and big thing we have all the board of education schools that, except for a couple that we don't reach out in the county, and they're connected at either gigabit or a hundred megabyte connections. Also serve two of the local colleges: one two-year college and another four-year. Uh, So I think uh, the fiber network is of really great importance to the speed and reliability, not only to them, but to the utility service. It is now how we run the electric and and the water, and soon to be probably with the wastewater system. So the electric system, I mean, for example, we use this network to deploy real-time advanced metering services. It allows us to automate demand response that lowers our wholesale power bills, provides better services and ways to reduce operational costs by remote disconnect where you don't roll trucks as much. You can recheck meter reads in a matter of seconds. And so the network is really redefining the way our utility provides services and and conducts its business. And uh, you know, you turn around and you go, Wow, you know, the future is used to think it's futuristic, but the future is upon us today.
1: Right. I, I do want to pull something out of there in particular. I mean, that's a, that's a whole lot of benefits to the community that come from a network. Of, I think probably most of the citizens of Morristown uh, aren't, aren't necessarily aware of just how many ways they benefit and there's less pressure on the tax base, but it's often assumed that a municipal utility does not pay tax, does not pay taxes. Um, and, uh, and what you were saying is increased uh, the payment in lieu of taxes by 35 percent, and and I just think it's important for everyone to realize that um, that in fact you do pay taxes um, to support the the local community to benefit local city services.
2: Well, let me give you an example. And two, we we consistently are the largest taxpayer to the city of Marshtown through the in lieu of tax payment, and ironically TVA is second. Uh, they're in lieu of. It's directed by the state. Then all of our industries and everybody else, uh, you know, and the, the incumbent utility or telecom providers, they they don't pay anywhere near the amount of money that we're putting back in the city. So it it yeah, it's not tax free. It's a uh, it's state law and it's uh, many people probably don't realize it. You're correct.
1: So uh, as we're as we're closing out, the last thing I wanted to talk a little bit about was just um, what what advice you may have for other communities that um, are looking at Morriston and, and thinking, "Wow, how can we how can we do something like that here?"
2: Well, uh, although there's a lot of benefits, you know, telecommunications is a tough business plan for a small community due just to the economies of scale. So I would advise other municipals strongly consider the cost benefits enjoyed of what your electrical and your other services around the city can do. And, you know, in in our case, I mean, we ponder now that if we were not in there, uh, the the cable rates and Internet rates would be much higher in the city. So we kind of act as the salt that prevents the incumbents from taking advantage of us. Because to my knowledge, incumbents have not raised cable TV prices since we entered the business. And, uh, you know, and in fact, they too. Because of our pressure, they've improved their services and their systems, and that's a win-win you know, for the community. But I think uh, if you want to think think to the future, you got to ask yourself some questions. And one is: is fiber optic infrastructure and investment you cannot avoid in the future? Well, where Where do you see your community 20 years from now? Will we'll, And will broadband be a requirement for economic development, or is it just a passing fad? So will other cities get these businesses, or will you? And what type of businesses will you get? So, you know, when we evaluate projects, that you always try to evaluate do nothing. <laughs> I don't think do nothing is really a good option. You know, I, the incumbents they have were not here when needed for the community. So you ask yourself, do you want to control your own future or, or allow them? Because uh, it is now not an entertainment business. It's, it's, it's essential, critical service for businesses. So Marstown, I guess, it, you know, it wasn't my decision, but they did answer yes to those questions. So we've joined this elite, I guess, community of gigabit-enabled cities, and it may sound sexy, but the real benefit is the day-to-day improvements that you see in the quality of life businesses are more profitable there is more economic development and there's more utility advancements but I would say it takes political will it takes making some good decisions with vendors and takes some resolve because it's not an easy business Uh, and Marshtown was fortunate to have a, a, a few champions of the of the cause including the mayor and some state levels and some community leaders so I would say those communities probably need to start looking today who, who is it out there that could champion that cause for them?
1: Terrific. Well, well thank you so much for, for joining us on Community Broadband Bits. This has been a, a terrific uh, explanation of, of why Morristown built the network and what kind of benefits it's seen.
2: Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.
0: That was Jody Wiggington, CEO and General Manager of Morristown Utility System, visiting with Chris. Be sure to check out the MUSFiber.net website. In addition to information on their consistent rates, you can find out more about the vision, the strategic plan, and news about the utility. You can also visit MuniNetworks.org and follow the Morristown tag. We encourage your questions and comments. Email us at podcast MuniNetworks.org. Follow us on Twitter to learn all about the most recent developments relating to community networks, broadband policy, and telecommunications. Our handle is at community nets. This show was released on February 26, 2013. Thanks to D. Charles Spear and the Helix for their song, Freddy's Lapels, licensed using Creative Commons.